You've been standing for a while, so I'll let you sit. I know it's been a long work day, but if you have your Bibles, I'll be in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. So good to see everybody here in the building. Amen. Amen. All of our friends watching online, hey friends, how are y'all doing? So good to see y'all as well. I believe God's going to touch you right where you're at right now. We'll be in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Reads like this, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve, they summoned the multitudes of the disciples and they said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we... The apostles in this moment said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You see, it wasn't that they were too little to serve, but rather if they gave themselves to the distribution of the food, that was less time for them to focus on prayer and ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. They chose Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas. If any pregnant mom's still looking for a name out there, there you go. <laughs> Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. But watch this. Then the word of God spread. Then the word of God spread. When they are all able to focus on what they were called to focus on and what their purpose was on, then the word of God spread. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. I'm going to teach just for a couple moments on the topic of the greater yes. The greater yes. Could you pray with me one more time? God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would continue to help us and to strengthen us, God. Lord, I pray that you would speak your word to us, Lord, and we're so thankful for the opportunity, God, to just even come into your house and worship you, God. You're the God of all comfort, God. You're the encourager of our souls, and I pray that you would do a mighty work here today. We believe that you will. In Jesus' name, amen. The greater yes. I love to talk to people and ask them what they've been up to. And if you've noticed a lot of the times when you ask people what they've been up to, a lot of times you'll hear the same answer. I've been busy. I mean, you will ask somebody that has no job, no kids, no spouse, no schedule, and you'll ask them what you've been doing. I've been busy. You'll, you'll ask a teenager that's out for summer vacation. What you been up to, bro? Nothing, man. I've been busy. Busy. And it's funny because the flip side is 
is the same thing as well. And if we're we're not careful as adults, it's kind of comical because when people ask us, how you been doing? What you been up to? And we'll say something like, nothing, just been busy. (laughs) Nothing, just been busy. It's, It's interesting because that statement, busy and nothing, can actually coexist in a life. Because just because you're busy doesn't mean you're up to something. See, I can be busy on my phone checking out the NBA scores. I can be busy doing a lot of things, but just because I'm busy doesn't mean that I'm living on purpose. You can even go a step further. I can be busy in the church. I can be busy making myself feel the self-gratification of accomplishing a task. But it doesn't mean that the task that I'm accomplishing and how busy I am is actually moving the ball down the field in North Richland Hills. Churches can be really busy, but it doesn't mean that they're necessarily accomplishing something. Just because you have a full schedule of events doesn't mean that the lost are being saved, that souls are being delivered, that families are being mended. And so we at Northgate, we've decided we're not just going to be busy, but we're going to use the time that God has given us to make an impact, to be intentional, and see the kingdom of God come to North Richland Hills in the DFW area. Amen? So what is time exactly? So the ancient Greeks and in the Bible, you'll see that there were two words for time. The first one was chronos. The second one was kairos. Chronos is the one that we're most familiar with. It's the sequential. It's the quantitative time. It's the length of our days. It's 10 minutes, 20 minutes. It's the tick, 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 tick. Then you got kairos, which is not just the... The quantitative, but it's the breadth of time. It's how you use time. It's it's those moments that come within an hour where you might have only had a week, but you accomplish in a week what some accomplish in 10 years. That's the kairos. And something we have to understand about time is that time is a gift. The Bible says in James that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights above. Everything that we've been given has been given to us by God. Even time. Not just treasure, but also time. It says that man is allotted a certain time. That God has the length of days stretched. He has it determined for each and every man. Everybody say time is a gift. Time is a gift, and we've got to use the time that we have to the best of our abilities. We know that Jesus is coming back soon. He's, I remember there was a day I always thought we just had plenty of time, but I feel so much urgency in my spirit nowadays that Jesus is coming back soon. And the Bible tells us that we've got to redeem the time because the days are evil. In other words, we've got to be stewards of time. What God has given us, we've got to manage it well. You see, God gives us chronos. He gives us the length of our days and he determines it. But how we live, 
And the choices that we make will determine the kairos. Martin Luther King Jr., he talked about the length and the breadth of life. And he talks about there are some people living that years ago they died. Because you can be living but not living the life that God has in store for you. And in this life, God wants us to return on the investment of the time that he gave us. We see it in the story of the parable of the talents. We see that he gave one man one talent. He gave another man five talents. He gave another man ten talents. And he expected them to manage it well. And that's what life is all about a lot of times. Because it says if you're faithful with a few things, you'll be in charge of many things. In other words, if you manage well what God has given you, God will give you more. And a lot of times when we read that scripture, we think of giftings, which, yes, it is giftings. And we look at it as well, and we think of it as treasure and financial and monetary type of things. And, yes, we must manage those well, and we must steward those well. But also, we've got to steward and manage the time that God gives us. Because just like treasure is a resource, and just like the gifts God has given you is a resource, likewise, so is the time. Everybody say, God, help me to use the time right. And so we pick up in the story of Acts chapter 6 and verses 1 through 7, and we see there was a need that arose that created urgency. Anybody ever feel like just there's always all these kinds of problems and things that are happening around you all the time that's just demanding your attention? Always something urgent. Always a phone call that needs you to do something or a text message or an email. Something asking you. I'm sure you're probably looking right at me like, yeah, it's you. You're the one. Very good point, Lavelle. Very good point. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, yes. Always something trying to compete for our time. In fact, that's why it said in the Bible about redeeming the time because the days are evil. Because there's so much competing for our time. And let it not be said that we look back over five and over ten years over our life and say, I was so busy. But what did I do? I was so busy, but who did I win? I was so busy, but did I ever step out of my comfort zone and walk on the water when God called me to walk on it? So, so there was a need that arose, and it had this great urgency. And so they're in the middle of a time period. They're in the middle of chronos. But they had to determine in the middle of Kronos, are you going to apprehend Kairos? Are you going to apprehend this moment? Are you going to make the best use of your time? And they said, the apostles said, yes, we're going to use our time most wisely. And what we're not going to do is we're not going to serve tables. And we're going to empower a group of people to help with food distribution. Again, I said this earlier, and I want to just pause here for a moment and camp here. It was not because they were not servants. It was not because they were not hard workers. But if they're not focusing on what God has called them to focus on, 
They're saying yes to serving tables, but they're saying no to prayer and preaching of the word. And here's another thing is not everybody is even called to serve the tables. But the simple fact is this, is that God has called us to something. And as long as you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Craig Rochelle says it like this, prioritize what you will accomplish today. Ask God to help you choose what is important over what is urgent. If you'll always respond to what's urgent, you will inevitably sacrifice what's important. You see, even in leadership, it often requires you to learn what to say no to. In fact, I know this might sound crazy, but I encourage you this year to determine what you're going to say no to. Because not everything that is urgent must be done. There's going to be a lot of things that will demand your attention, a lot of people to ask you for help here and there. But at the reality of it is I have to step back and say, I might be busy, but in the midst of being busy, am I going forward? In the midst of our church family being busy, we're not just going to put events all on the calendar just because we feel like it's February or April and it warrants that we put a bunch of things on the calendar because we got a lot of open days. But rather, we're going to say, okay, we might have to say no to some things to say a greater yes. We might... We might have to say no to some activities and no to some obligations. And personally, we will have to say no to some people. Because as long as I say yes to some things, I'm going to say no to other things as well. Everybody say, protect your time. So again, in life, we are tempted to use our time in various ways. But the question is, we must use it for greater things. We've got to use it for the greater yes. In fact, we see it all across the New Testament, and we see it in the fivefold ministry in Ephesians chapter 4. You see, it said in Ephesians chapter 4 that there is a fivefold ministry, and one of the main things that they were given to do was to equip the saints for the working of the ministry. Everybody say, that's me. Why? But why, though? Because we're only given so much time. And if it was just for the fivefold ministry of the pastors and apostles and evangelists, if it was just up to them to do all the ministry, then we are limited in the reach of what we could potentially do. But like one person said, many hands makes the load light. But if we can empower the saints for the work of the ministry, we can get a lot done in a little amount of time. You know, we talk about growth and we talk about going to the next level. It is one person deciding to say no to something and saying yes to the greater yes. It's saying no to activities that will just distract me. It's saying no to people that are just going to discourage me and no to the barriers that come in the way of your purpose and the direction God wants to take you to. It's saying no to that so you can say a greater yes. And so it goes down to empowering the saints for the working of the ministry. This is going to sound crazy. What does that look like? That looks like the saints visiting people in the hospital. 
That looks like us together as a body. It's not just the pastors preaching. I can't wait for the day before we start seeing on the family page of you teaching Bible studies and you baptizing them in your pool and your apartment complexes. Why? Because we were all called to make a difference. In fact, we look into the New Testament, and what they did is they embodied a movement. They embodied it. It wasn't just that they said, hey, I'm going to serve on Sunday at 10 a.m., and when I'm, once I'm done at 11, that's it. Cut and dry, I'm done. No, they said, everywhere that I go, I'm saying no that anything would distract me and discourage me, and I'm going to move into the purpose God wants me to move into. So there's five areas that we will have to say a greater yes to. First area is personal devotion to God. This is such an obvious, but it's personal devotion to God. Now, I know you're probably thinking, it's such an obvious, Lavelle. Well, something that's not so obvious, but I'll let the cat out of the bag, but you'd be surprised how many Christians actually don't pray outside of Sunday. In fact, you trace all through the awakenings, all behind us of the first great awakening and the second great awakening and the Zusa Street revival. We want awakenings, don't we? We want to experience that. I get pumped up when people preach about it. But the reality of promises God has in store for us is that what is that's what he intends to do in us. But we've got to respond and move into that with prayer. You see, it says it like this in 1 Timothy 2. Verse 1, Paul is writing to the next protege. It's his, the person following in his footsteps. It's the person where Paul says, there's no one that knows me like you know me, Timothy. And he says it like this. Before he goes on to say, here's how you structure things, or this is how you handle deacons, or this is how, before he gives them any leadership development, this is what he says. He says, therefore, I exhort first, first, everybody say first. First of all, that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. What do I feel like he's saying? I feel like he's saying, Timothy, I want you to know something, son. It doesn't matter what I'm about to tell you after this if you don't get this right. It doesn't matter how good you might be with delegating to the deacons. It doesn't matter how good you may be in powerful in preaching because you will only be as powerful as your prayer life. And likewise, in this church, the barometer of Sundays, how powerful you are as a worship leader, how powerful you are as a greeter, as power, it's going to be determined by the prayer life that you have during the week. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says, pray without ceasing. Even Jesus had to pray. The Son of God, God manifested in the flesh. Luke 5.16 said, so he himself Often, everybody say often, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. If Jesus had to often go into the wilderness and pray, how much more do I need to go find a place and pray? And I mean get into the presence of God. I'm not trying to judge people, but I mean really pray. I've talked to some people sometime, and they tell me what their prayers are, and I'm not against that, but you've got to have some place and a solitary place that you get a hold of the strength of the altar, and you get a hold of God that you say, I'm not leaving this place today until I get a hold of God. 
We used to have a saying that said we would pray through. What that meant is we prayed until something happened. I wish that God would baptize us in a passion of prayer. We, we would pray until something happened. We would pray until something happened on Sunday. We would pray until something happened on Monday. We would pray until something happened on Tuesday. We're not at church, but I'm the church everywhere that I go. I'm an awakening in my house. I'm an awakening at my job. I'm an awakening in my car. And I'm going to pray until something happens. Martin Luther said it like this, because I know how it is. And I'm just teaching tonight, so just bear with me. He said, I have so much to do today. I'm so busy that I'm going to spend three hours in prayer in order to be able to get it all done. What does that even mean? You're too busy not to pray. You've got too much going on in your life not to pray. You've got too many attacks of the enemy coming against you not to pray. We're experiencing too much revival not to pray. Not to pray. Because we've got to keep the flame fanned. We've got to keep the flame. In fact, it said in the Old Testament, right before they went into the presence of God, they said to keep the fire going. Keep putting sacrifices on it. What are you trying to say? Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep fasting. Keep worshiping. Stay connected to God. Second thing, we have to make sure that we guard. Yes, we have to guard our personal devotion. It's not just for Sunday. I can't imagine my relationship with Britain if I just talked to her on Sunday or shot her a text on Wednesday to say, I love you. Hope everything's going well. I've got to guard that. I'm sorry. I just feel like I just can't move past this right now for some reason. Everybody, you've got to guard it. It's sacred. It doesn't matter what they invite you to. It doesn't matter what game is on television. It doesn't matter what sitcom is on. It doesn't matter if the voice is calling your attention. You've got to guard that place. That's the sacred place. That's where you're going to find healing. That's where you're going to find deliverance. That's where you're going to find the answer you've been seeking for. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it again, and again, and again. Evan Roberts was a part of the Welsh Revival, where they saw 100,000 people come to God in six months. And they asked Evan Roberts the secret to revival. And Evan Roberts said, there is no secret. It's just ask and receive. There are things in heaven that hasn't touched earth because we haven't got sacred enough in our prayer time to ask, to ask, and to ask. And if you haven't received it, keep asking. If you haven't received it, keep seeking because God wants to give you what you want. But all you've got to do is ask. The Bible says sometimes you have not because you ask not. Let it not be said. Let it not be said about Northgate Pentecostals that we never experienced an awakening and we never had revival and we never experienced a souls coming into the kingdom just because we never asked. Second thing we have to guard is our family. We've got to guard our family. I was talking to someone one time and they said that they said, family is not an extension of the church. They said, the church community is an extension of the family. 
You see, we see it all over the Bible, Colossians 3.20, children encouraged to obey their parents. Leaders are required to manage their household well. Paul told husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and wives to submit their own husbands because we've got to guard our families. The enemy is after our families. Don't be surprised after you have a move of God when he starts trying to come in between you and your spouse. You've got to guard that. You've got to guard that and you've got to be aware of it. The Bible talks about be sober, be vigilant, because the enemy, as a roaring lion, seeketh who he may devour. How is he going to do that? He's going to tear families. He's going to try to tear families because if he can tear families, he can tear the church. But let's have some fathers and some husbands that will rise up and say, no, not my family. Not my family. I'm the priest of the home. I'm not letting it happen. I rebuke anything coming against my family. I rebuke anything trying to devour us. I just, I'm going to get on a soapbox and I'll get out very quickly. All right. But for years, it's been the women that has been leading the apostolic church in prayer. But it's about time that men start rising up and say, I'm not too tough to pray. I'm not too tough to get in the presence of God. And as for me and my house, we're going to guard. We're going to push and we're going to be the people God has called us to be. Next thing we have to make sure to say a greater yes to is the Great Commission. Is the Great Commission, which I wish it wasn't like this. I really wish it wasn't like this. But for far too long, the Great Commission in our churches has become the Great Omission. And I'm not going to stay here very long, but it's just like anxiety in the church. So many people are experiencing it. And I'm not saying, I'm not speaking against what you struggle with. Because we all struggle with something. But I don't believe God has called us to cope with anything. But to walk over the things that try to walk over us. Are you saying that I'm a sinner because I feel anxiety? No. Because people feel other temptations as well. But that doesn't mean that they're a sinner. But we all feel temptations. But it's up to us how we respond. And so just like anxiety, it's so prevalent in the church that we say, oh, you're just an anxious person. It's okay. It's not okay. And God wants you to be whole. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to tell you God wants you whole. John 10, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. But I say that to say just like it's become something that's just so normal that we accept it. We've accepted people not fulfilling the Great Commission. Like it's just for preachers. You see, when he spoke, he spoke to the disciples. Everybody is a disciple. The Great Commission is not just for the extroverts. The Great Commission is also for the introverts. You see, he says in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That one name is Jesus. And he says, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So here's something. Now, you may not like me, but just just bear with what I'm saying. It says it like this. He said, don't just go and evangelize them. He says, don't stop there. Invite them into your lives. He says, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Because it doesn't, soul winning doesn't just stop by getting them to come to the church. You've got to bring them close. You've got to bring them. Jesus brought the 12 close. 
They've got to do life with you. And I know it probably never happens here, but in some churches in this world, there's a lot of friendly churches, but it's near impossible to make a friend in the church. It's like there's a friend barrier you just can't seem to climb over. That they will greet you. They're thankful for you. They'll send you a follow-up email. But if you're trying to find somebody that you can tell your problems to or teach you how to do life, you just can't find them. What does revival, how do you spell it? I'll spell it for you. T-I-M-E. People need your time. People need your time. They need somebody that they can say, my life is not where it needs to be. Can you hear me out? They need somebody that can say, I've noticed you pray like this, and I know that you dress like this, and we're close enough, I'm comfortable to ask you a question. But how does that happen? We've got to bring people close enough for them to trust us. Number four, it's ministry. We're all, we're all called to do the Great Commission. Okay, we all know that. It's not just for Pastor Jones, myself, or the ministry leaders here. We're all called to do the Great Commission. Amen? But number four is ministry. You've got something special. Everybody say, I'm special. First Peter 4.10 says it like this. As each one has received a gift... Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You've got a gift. You've got a special thing that God has placed inside of you. And just like with time, whatever God gives you, you've got to be a good steward of. Romans 12, 6 through 8 says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. It says it, Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion to our faith. Everybody say, use what you got. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. Everybody say, use what you got. He who teaches in teaching. Look at the person next to you and say, use what you got. He who exhorts in exhortation. Everybody say, use what you got. He who gives with liberality. Everybody say, use what you got. He who leads with diligence, everybody say, use what you got. Who shows mercy with cheerfulness, everybody say, use what you got. Because I was talking to the youth not too long ago, and I talked about the young boy with two fish and five loaves of bread. And he may have not felt like he had much to offer, but he used what he had. And if you'll take what you have and put it in the hands of the maker, he'll multiply it to feed the multitudes. It's not always the most scholared person. It's not always the most skilled person. It's the available person. It's the person that says, I might stutter. I don't have it all together, but I'm going to use what I got. I'm going to use whatever gift God has given me. I might not be perfect, but I serve a perfect God. And I know if I could put my hand in his hand and follow his leading, get out of the boat and use what I got, God will use me to feed the multitudes. And so I'm going to give you the last point. You're probably thinking, okay, now you're just being contradictory now. Because you're telling me to get moving and saying yes to these things first of what God has called me to do before I say yes to anything else. Because you've got to prioritize, right? 
You have to determine in your mind and on your calendars and your schedules and your iPads, you have to determine what, I'm gonna, what am I going to schedule to say yes to before I say yes to anything else because I won't let it compete with that. It might sound so contradictory and seems like it's not spirit-led to put devotion at 6 a.m. on your calendar or 9 a.m., whatever time your secret time is. But you're making sure that you're guarding that time. You're making sure you're doing it. It might seem so just out of the ordinary to say, I'm going to do outreach on Thursday from 3 to 3.30. What are you doing? I'm making sure I'm saying yes. I'm making sure I'm saying yes. But the last thing that you got to do is yes, you need to guard your prayer life. You need to guard your family. you got to make sure to say yes to the Great Commission and guard and make sure you're using the gifts God has given you. But the last thing I want to talk about is you've got to guard your rest time. I know you're like, Lavelle, you're telling me to get moving. Now you're telling me to stop. I feel like I don't. you got to guard your rest time. You see, Jesus was the Son of God. God manifested in the flesh. But even Jesus, in John chapter 4, had to stop and sit down at the well. Even Jesus got tired. And so will you. You see, you can take a car and you can put it at the full RPMs and keep driving it like that for three days straight. And it has the capacity to do that. But if you keep it at full RPMs without letting it go back down, you're going to do more harm to that sports car than good. And eventually it's going to have some problems under the hood. We've got to guard our rest time. You've got to take some time. Yes, you've got to be busy. Yes, you've got to use what God has put inside of you. But by being intentional, you're intentional with your time and you don't overstretch yourself to the point you get no rest. You need rest physically. You need rest mentally and also you need rest spiritually the bible says it like this how do you rest spiritually this is what i believe i believe you can see it in psalms chapter 46 verse 10 you could all stand i'll give you all some hope psalms 46 10 says be still be still See, we're, we're in a culture, and I'm guilty of it myself. We're in a moving culture. I got to stay busy. I got to stay busy. I got to stay busy. I may not be doing anything, but I got to stay busy. I got to fill up my calendar, right? It feels good, doesn't it, to be like, oh, I had six meetings yesterday. I had seven meetings yesterday before 3 p.m. It feels like you're accomplishing something, but you can be busy and not really accomplishing something. And so in a busy culture where everything's competing for our attention and there's always, always something to do, we got to make sure to be still. He said, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. In fact, I'm going to let this out real quick and just to let you know, if you won't be still, God will find a way to make you be still. It says that in the Bible, it says in Psalms 23, he maketh me lie down in green pastures. Because if you don't voluntarily sit down, God will cause something to make you lay down in green pastures. 
I feel this in my spirit, and this might just be for me. But I feel like for some people, there's a miracle God wants to do in your life, but it requires you to first sit down. You're trying to do it on your own and figure it out and put it on paper, and it's not making sense. But God wants you to put away your calculator, put away your spreadsheet, and sit down and be still. In fact, it says that before the people that were fed the two fish and the five loaves of bread, before he fed them, before they experienced the miraculous, they had to sit down. Because God realizes there are some people. Jackson is, is a culprit of it. You ever seen kids, you're trying to feed them and they're just running all around. You're like, would you be still? I'm trying to feed you. Be still. And I believe God is speaking to that some people in the spirit. I'm trying to feed you. I'm trying to speak to you. But you're too busy to hear my voice. You're too busy. You don't sit enough. And I know I talk about Monday night prayer a lot, but I just believe in it. You don't come to Monday night prayer and sit and listen for what I'm trying to speak to you. Leaders, that's why some of us, I'm gonna, I'll speak to the leaders right now. Leaders, that's why some of us don't go to the next level. Is because we're not sitting still enough. Because I'm going to tell you a secret, leaders, you can't out-strategize God. But if we would be still, God would make sure we're going forward in our teams. But he doesn't, hear me, leaders, because everybody here, you're a leader. He doesn't want your team moving forward without you're trying to accomplish at the expense of your soul. If you're accomplishing what you're trying to accomplish, you're pulling off the event, but you're about to lose your mind and you have no peace in your heart, that's not the will of God. God wants you to be healthy. This pastoral staff, we are devoted to your health. I know we're trying to get you to do a lot of things, but what you'll start to notice is we're going to try to eventually, yes, have you walk forward and use your gift, but also pull away from some things that really just is not what you feel like your purpose is. Because we want you connected to the place that makes you thrive, connected to the place that energizes you, that when you lay your head at night, you say, it was busy, but I had the best day of my life. And so when I be still, he says, be still, be still. I know you want to move. I know you want to go check your emails and get on Microsoft Teams, but you need to be still. Be still and know that I am God. Well, that's obvious, Lavelle. I don't know about you, but I don't always live that way. Well, God, what if I don't do this? Be still and know that I am God. But if I don't reach out to what, what about... Be still and know that I am God. I'm sovereign. I have control. I'm going to take care of this. You can go to sleep because I never sleep or slumber. Be still and know that I am God. So Lavelle, why are you talking about guarding our prayer life and our family and great commission, our ministry and rest time? This is why. John 10 says, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. 
for too long. There's too many people. Too long, there are too many people that had good hearts and they meant well, but they were casualties because they didn't be still enough, they didn't guard themselves enough, they didn't guard their time, they didn't guard their hearts, they didn't guard the devotion time where they get refreshed. And as well meaning as they were, no longer living for God anymore just because they decided to say yes to everything but not the greater yes in Northgate on behalf of the pastoral staff I want to say we want all of you to make it we don't want to grow the kingdom and grow this church at, at the expense of any of your lives we want your families whole we want your, your own soul whole. We want you to have peace of mind, good health. We don't want you to have high blood pressure because you just are wondering what's going to happen on Planning Center. <laughs> we want you whole because God said that I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. We are conduits of a grace that's so good to us. And we're called to operate out of this grace, not to earn it. God's created you for good works. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's, you're working out of that grace. You're working out of the thing that's inside of you. So let's decide here tonight. Yes, I'm going to use my gifts. And yes, I'm going to be what God has called me to be. And yes, I'm going to set boundaries on my family and boundaries on my devotion. But I'm doing it because I'm saying a greater yes. Because lest I preach <laughs> and I become a castaway. Lest I lead them to the promised land and not get to enter in myself. God has promises not just for those you lead. Because it's easy to preach to people about the promises God has for them and to believe for them. But at times, it's really hard to believe it for ourselves. But God wants you to eat of the same fruit that you're leading people into. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, in the name of Jesus. Hey, thanks for listening to Northgate Pentecostal. Check us out on Facebook and YouTube, and you can watch the video of the message you just listened to. God bless y'all.